0: This summer, we're bringing you double koi gig. Didn't even have to break stride; it was absolutely sublime. we like, yeah. just watching it on repeat, yeah. like just yeah. over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and it's rightfully getting the attention it deserves. Subscribe to the OTV Koi Gig Pod on the OTV Sports app now.
1: You are very welcome back to this evening's Off the Ball. Delighted to say now we're joined by a man who is an Olympic champion, also a world champion and two-time European champion in rowing in the lightweight double skulls. It's Fintan McCarthy. He's right between two major championships. The Europeans just gone in Munich. And himself and Paula Donovan going to be back in the boat in the Czech Republic in the middle of next month as well. Fintan, how are you getting on?
0: Not too bad, yeah, we've uh, we've a half-day training today, so just taking it easy for the rest of the afternoon. We had the hard session this morning, but pretty good, pretty good otherwise, yeah.
1: Not a bad rap sheet when you think about it. That's now five major international regattas in a row where you and Paul have come back with gold medals. But this one perhaps a little bit unique, given that this was the first international regatta where you were back in the boat together since the delayed Olympic Games of last year.
0: Yeah, um, well, we had one race uh, in Henley after the Olympics last year, but since then... Um yeah it's we've had a had a bit of a, a time apart training by ourselves and yeah it was nice to get back in and yeah it's like um just see where we are I guess there's always kind of a new field after the olympics um you know there's new new boats coming into the mix and new people showing up so yeah it was good to kind of get a measure of where the fields at this year and hopefully um yeah gain a bit of an insight for the world's coming up.
1: There's probably two ways of looking at that. On the one hand, there's maybe a lack of rhythm from not having time in the boat together. But on the other hand, you've both been pursuing your individual goals and having individual races as well. And it doesn't seem to have affected the performance when Munich came around that you had so little time in the boat together.
0: Yeah, no. um, Yeah, we were really pleased with Munich. I think uh, really, you know, taking the year after the Olympics to... Uh, kind of improve ourselves individually, uh really has kind of stood to us. And I think, um yeah, it, it's done us. It's it's done us really good so far anyway. So hopefully we can we can keep it up going into the world.
1: And three and a bit years in the boat together, it probably becomes almost like second nature, the way that you know each other's style of rowing and so on, because I heard your interview in Munich afterwards and you were asked about communication within the boat itself. And you said it's rare enough that you might say one or two words to each other during an actual race.
0: Yeah, I think mostly that's because you're just flat out, and there's not much energy for anything other than rowing during a race. But um, yeah, you know, at this stage, we've we've taken so many strokes together that it, it is a bit like second nature, and and you know, each race we're we're kind of just zoning in on on what racing actually feels like, and just making it a habit. So I think. Yeah, that, that really stood to us this weekend as well. And it's nice to, to kind of practice it and, and, you know, see that we've still got it, I guess.
1: Well, in the final, you definitely did. Take me back to that day nearly three weeks ago now at this stage in Munich where you went to a final where the Italian crew and the Swiss crew particularly go off fast. The Swiss crew went off really fast, but at no point did you guys seem to panic and you had a really good finish in the final third of the race as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's always interesting to to race these championships as well because um, you never know, you know, whether someone's going to try something new because I think usually, you know, at this stage, we're sort of known for coming through in the second half of the race and and kind of taking our lead there. So it's always, you know, it's always interesting to see what other crews are going to try. This time, we hadn't raced that Swiss combination before and they they really... Um, took it to us in the first 1500 of the race um, and then I think uh, the Italians had kind of a usual quick start and we we pulled through them kind of in the middle of the race so um, yeah I think that we did have a good last 500 but mostly it was that we we kind of flatlined our race and held our pace the whole way whereas I think the other crews tried really hard in the first sort of three quarters to get ahead of us and then once we pulled through they didn't really have much left and we kind of just held our speed so hopefully you never know there might be a bit more of a sprint coming up later in the season but we'll see we'll see how it goes
1: well from what you said there like racing is all about being the first boat home and being ahead of the other boats but for you two it seems to be about consistency as well And I was reading, um, Dominic, your coach is talking about this, that generally you're pacing yourself against what you've done previously and against what would be potentially a world record time again. And so, therefore, you want to be making those marks as you go in the race. So does that help you actually not panic if you see a boat go off to a really fast start?
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, we, we sort of know at this stage, you know, we know our, I guess you could call them our limits or whatever, but... Um, you know how you're feeling in a race, whether you can go a bit harder if you if you need to, and before the race as well, you know we'd be doing a few a few uh, strokes, a kind of race pace, and you'd get an idea of the speed that you can do for the race. So we generally would say, oh yeah, it might be this time today, so we'll try we'll try keep the the speed around this because we each have a sort of a GPS unit in the boat. Um, so that's good to look at as well. It's just it's just learning each race as well, I think, and, um, you know, we know what our bodies are capable of at this stage, so it's just about trying to improve a little bit in training and then putting out in racing what we do in training. So I think that's probably where I've definitely improved this year as well, just pushing on um, physically a little bit. and getting a bit more um, out of that sort of, um, you know, middle, middle. um, Sorry, I don't know what I'm saying here.
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you about uh, tracking and what you do along the way, because our friends at Whoop have sent us over your tracker details from the seven days around munich and given that there's obviously a couple of days of competing uh to get into the final and the final itself it's interesting the consistency fintan that you brought here because the first day where you're under 80 percent recovery score is the day that you travel to germany after that you're getting your sleep up beyond nine hours every night you're getting some good recovery in after maybe going to the rowing machine and getting some of the lactic acid out of the way after the um trip that you make there But remarkable consistency, you stay over 80% on pretty much all of the days around the races and in the preparation for it. That's incredible consistency. Obviously, rest and recovery is something you've really worked into your routine here.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, WHOOP has actually been really helpful in in dialing in on that recovery around racing before you're kind of guessing, to be honest um and each you know each regatta that we've had now I'm able to look at what I did the week before how it affected my recovery and just identify what strategies really worked for me and what strategies you know I could maybe leave out so yeah I think every time I am getting a bit better and this time actually was pretty good. You know, usually there'd be a few reds or oranges at the start of the week. Um, and then uh, after the first few races as well, they can take it out of you a small bit. So it was really good for me to be consistently in the green over the weekend. And it just gives you that extra bit of confidence as well that you're you're ready to go for the next round.
1: Well, the only yellowy orange that I actually see come up in your score at all is on the Monday after the weekend. Was that down to a bit of celebration after picking up the gold medal or were you on the travel that day? Or what's the reason for the massive drop off compared to the wonderful greens that you've posted across the board for the six days before?
0: Yeah, I think um, it's just that kind of release of you're not on top of recovery as much. Afterwards, because it's over, and you're you're you know you don't want to sit in an ice bath or or put on the recovery boots or something like that. You know, it's just it's it's over, and you can you can relax a little bit. So that does. I always see if I always see a few of those kind of lower scores the week after, and especially because um, after the final as well, you'd be you'd be in a hole. So that might have played a part. I think
1: you you can be be forgiven for one bad score uh, when you put six good days of beforehand in a championship performance in the middle of it all as well. You didn't get much chance to really kind of rest or recover afterwards, though. I was reading that you pretty much went directly to Italy first and then to your training camp in Spain. Is that just the nature of having two majors coming so close to each other that you just have to kind of keep the foot in the pedal, so to speak?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, It is a bit unusual that they're so close together you know in other years the Europeans might fall a bit earlier in the season but yeah this time we just decided we'd stay out uh in Europe kind of minimize traveling between the two competitions and get a really good block done after the Europeans just to push on for those last few weeks for the world champs and see how we go
1: was there any real doubt about the fact that Paul was going to go to the Worlds? I think he had to go back and do some some college work and understand he's trying to balance a few things at the one time. But was there any real doubt that you weren't going to go and try and defend your world titles in the Czech Republic?
0: Yeah, no, there actually was. Um, it wasn't on the plan um, at all for us to do the double for the Worlds kind of for the first part of the year. Uh, we always knew that the Europeans could be an option because it would be uh, kind of in the middle of Paul's break so we had that scheduled in and then I think after the Europeans we kind of decided that we might as well give it a go and um, just you know learn some learn some new things we we haven't really prepared for championships in this way before but I think it's really cool to to sort of uh, you know, take a, a different approach and and just see how it goes, really. yeah. So it's been it's been working so far.
1: Yeah, I find the concept of trying to learn new things very interesting when you've been to the top of the mountain, like when you've been to a semi-final of an Olympics where you are able to row at world best time and then you go and win a gold medal afterwards. And now you've backed that up now by winning another European championships in some ways, it's difficult to stay motivated because the sport is so associated with major championships and with Olympic cycles particularly, when you've been there and when you've won a gold medal. But by the sounds of it, both yourself and Paul are driven to try and keep on improving here.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's just the nature of it as well. There's always someone out there that is improving. And uh, I think we just really enjoy the challenge of, of getting better and finding new ways to get better and trying new things and then it's it's kind of okay even if it doesn't work out because we're enjoying the process of of learning about ourselves learning more about the sport and just uh, improving you know it doesn't have to be it, it doesn't we don't have to be like hugely hugely successful for us to be happy in the sport we just love training and getting better and you know like I said learning about what what we can do to make us better so I think that's a big part of it too
1: yeah the currency is ultimately medals but you're on this wonderful run of wins at the moment currently too aside from the fact that it's now you know five medal regattas in a row you've won your last nine races in a row if we take heats and semi-finals into account as well I'm sure that's not a primary driving factor but is it important for you guys to try and go out and win every single race that you now go into?
0: Yeah, I think it's always important, especially in uh, regattas like that, because you don't really know what's going to happen with conditions and stuff. So if you win your heat, let's say, you'll get the best lane draw for the semifinal. So say if there's sort of a, a unfair conditions, you'll get the best chance because you'll be in the favored lane. So that that is kind of, we do kind of keep that in mind. Obviously, it's not a huge disaster if we were going to lose a heat or a semi. And we're not going, you know, we're not going out each round to to go really, really hard and, and kid ourselves in the early rounds of the race. But I think, yeah, it is quite important that we just do the job and have the, best race we can and improve from each race as well. A couple of weeks. So that would be, yeah, that would be sort of the, the main, the main motivation rather than like having to win.
1: Mm. It's, it's a very important driving factor. We had Nalo the Monday after your gold medal win and he was talking about in a most complimentary way, he was saying that it could have been intimidating for you getting in a boat in 2019 with Paula Donovan because everything he had achieved, boat with Gary um, individually, and he's already at that point, you know, acknowledged as one of the very best in the world at that stage. And you're joining into a boat and it's a, a new setup for the crew. But you did not seem to be overawed whatsoever by joining up with Paul, a guy that you would have been watching before that.
0: Yeah, I think it, it helped that we're from the same club and I trained with him uh you know, for a few years before that. The first year, I suppose it was a bit daunting, you know, because I was quite young and hadn't had any major, major successes. But it was just a really great time for me, just getting in to a boat that could perform at that level. And I learned so much so quickly. And Paul was great, obviously, all the time. I was making mistakes left, right and centre at the start, but he never like got he never got really angry or irritated ever, even though I know if I was in his situation I definitely would have been. And it's nice now, I think, that I'm probably over that stage and we can we can really collaborate and make the both better because we're we're sort of getting to that stage of the partnership where it's it's sort of natural and we have a really good base, sort of base speed. And we can work from there then in terms of uh, looking at different things. And it's, yeah, it's, I think now it's like a real collaboration and it's been, yeah, it's been really
1: fun. And you have to keep that partnership and that boat strong, because in a way, I I kind of felt for Gary last year at the Tokyo Olympics, delayed as they were, where he's there as basically a support function. But a guy who would love to probably, you know, be pushing you guys as much as possible, because ultimately you qualify for the Olympics, you qualify a boat. You don't necessarily qualify the two people who are inside the boat. So you've always got, with the very talented base of rowers that are there at the moment, motivation to make sure you're at your very best all the time as well, Fenton.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think it's something that drives us all on as well because, like you said, there's no guarantee that both of us are going to be sitting in the boat. Every year we have to prove that we're fast enough. You know, we do we do individual testing and we also do tests in different combinations in the double to make sure that every time we're putting out the fastest combination. And it's, yeah, it's just so happened that the last few years it's been me and Paul, uh, but there is a huge gang of us that keep driving each other on and there is huge competition for that boat as well that keeps us all on our toes and training hard. For
1: you individually, look you've already been to a podium at the Europeans with the lightweight singles and over this last year you've had some really good singles results as well. Um, does that help when you go back to the doubles, the fact that you know that you're going well individually throughout the year as well?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think the the single you can get real confidence from if you're going fast and you you know if we're if we're both going well in the single that the doubles shouldn't be a disaster especially when we've had a few years now to develop the double so I think that's really actually played a pretty key role this year in us both having some good singles performances because we haven't had that much time in the double but then we both know that we're we're going well and it's been it's been easy to sort of just get back into the double because we're both at a really good level individually.
1: I was reading that you were inspired to get involved with Skiberine Rowing Club after watching the Olympics back in twenty twelve particularly. What is it about Skiberine that has turned your club into a medal factory over the last few years?
0: Oh I could tell you that I don't know. Like the exact the exact thing is hard to pinpoint, but I think the the culture down there is just so great. Like the the I think the f- the first thing is everyone enjoys it so much, and everyone is so passionate about the club and bringing people on and just inspiring each other. I remember um, a a big a big thing when I was that I kind of just reflecting back on now I've realized is that sort of when you were younger and you're saying, Oh, I want to, you know, I want to do all these amazing things like win the world champs and, and things like that. Um, you know, if you said it to someone on, on the the side of the street or one of your friends or something, they kind of look at you like, okay, like that's going to be quite difficult. And it sounds crazy that you say you're going to win an Olympic medal, but at the club, I think it's all about just helping people reach that potential. And um, you know, it doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be an Olympic gold medal, but just uh, being your best and yeah, really realizing your full potential. I think is a big, uh, a big reason why everyone does so well because the coaches and the the volunteers down there are just so passionate about uh helping the athletes really so i think that would be my my take on it anyway
1: Does that leave you very aware of the fact that you, know, you look back and you think that's 15 or 16 year old you watching those regattas at the time and being inspired about rowing? That right now, they can look at you, they can look at the O'Donovans, they can look at Sneedipus Paspor. There's so many inspirations now for what would have been like the young Fintan McCarthy you might be thinking of taking up rowing right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's something that maybe I've started thinking about a bit more the last year or so. Um, and reflecting on how important that was for me when I was that age. So yeah, it's really nice to be able to, I guess, be that person for people coming up. And I love, uh, you know, I, I love getting asked questions about, uh, you know, how to train and little tips and tricks from, from the, the kids. Cause I know how much I would have valued that when I was younger. I'm not saying, you know, that I'm, I know everything and I'm, they should be asking me things all the time, but yeah, I just wouldn't, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have any issues kind of stepping into that role, I think, because I know how much I would have, yeah, sort of really valued it when I was when I was younger.
1: Given that you had to go pretty much directly to Italy and then you went to Spain and now the Czech Republic is on the horizon, have you had a chance to go home with the medal since the Europeans?
0: no it's actually still in my suitcase so yeah it's waiting hopefully hopefully i'll be able to bring it home with another one from the world champs so
1: i presume you're sick of having to explain why there's a chunk of metal in the front of your suitcase every time you're going through an airport right now
0: yeah well it's in it's not in the hand luggage so thankfully i you know i don't have to pull it out of security or anything but um yeah we'll see what happens when we go home Because sometimes we send our bags on the trailer. So hopefully it won't cause too many problems. Well,
1: look, the weekend of the 18th of September is very much on the horizon now at the moment. How are you feeling about the World Championships? Look, given all you've said about the fact that you only got a few times together with Paul, it's probably not that much of a concern that he's been back at home rather than, say, the two of you working together ahead of these championships. What what is the feeling ahead of potentially defending uh, your world titles in a month's time?
0: just yeah a load of excitement really um I think maybe before the Europeans it was a bit more nerve-wracking because we we'd never prepared in that way before and we I was kind of thinking could this be you know could this be the weekend it all goes wrong but you know we knew going into it from you know if we did some pieces and you kind of test your speed against against people. It's, for us anyway, in Roman Ireland, we, we we test our speed against the other boats and you compare your times compared to world records and stuff. So we knew we weren't going too badly. So I think this time, yeah, it's just more excitement really to, to see what we can do and see how we progressed over the last few weeks.
1: Post-Olympics. Did expectations change for both of you? Because we're all probably guilty of it right now in Ireland where we kind of assume that particularly you and Paul, because of all the medals you've won over the last three years, you're going to go and win at the next event that you go to. Did you feel any change in expectation? I know Paul has mentioned a few times that maybe now it's a case of the targets on your back because you're Olympic champions. Did it feel any different post-Olympics when you get back into the boat?
0: Uh, not really on the day-to-day, you know, it's still training and it's still uh, just going out and doing the job every day. But I think, yeah, it would probably be silly to say that there isn't an expectation and we know that it's there. But I think in a way it's good because I I knew what I was like, say, when when even when Gary and Paul were in that position, they were winning World medals. I knew that to um, what I how fast I'd have to be to be ahead of them. So I think that's really what everyone else in the world is thinking of us now, and it it sort of drives you on more to to stay ahead of them. So I think it's it it could probably it probably has potential to to be a bit of a weight on your shoulders, but I think we probably deal with it quite well and it it doesn't it doesn't affect us too much really
1: one last question for you and i know you're going to hate this one so i said i'd leave it to last we've been debating on the show and others have been debating as well that you know potentially what paula donovan has achieved between these two olympic cycles between 2016 and 2022 and all that he's won in between he should be considered one of Ireland's best ever sports stars. Like he's won everything individually and uh, within the doubles boat as well. And in two different boats, which probably you know adds to his uh, longevity and adds that little bit extra, the fact that he's been able to do it with two different groups as well. Where would you rank Paul, given that you have to work beside him all the time? I'm sure you're going to hate complimenting him. We'll get him to compliment <laughs> you when he's on next time as well. But But where would you rank Paul when you consider all the achievements that he's had, particularly over the last seven years or so?
0: Oh so, yeah, he's definitely up there. You know, uh, I think people actually don't realize how hard rowing is as well. Like to be able to perform that consistently and train as hard as we do, I think he is really something else, and definitely the best, the best, um, the best athlete I know. Anyway, so.
1: It's a pleasure, no doubt, to get to sit behind him in the boat and be part of such a competitive team with everything that you've achieved as well. Fintan, I'm particularly envious of the wonderful sleep that you're able to get even at the most stressful (laughs) moments. Uh, That's been the main takeaway today. But my congratulations again on becoming a back-to-back European champion. Hopefully, in a month's time, we'll be able to call you a back-to-back world champion as well. And thanks a million for joining us here on Off The Ball.
0: No worries. Thanks for having me.